Welcome to Bible study. Uh, we're glad you're here. Let's take a few minutes to pray, and then we will get into our study for tonight. Let's pray. Father, thanks for uh, just uh, the grace that you pour out. And we thank you that you're a God of freedom and liberty. We thank you that you're a God who cares for us, a God who hears us, who knows us, a God who loves us. And we just pray, Father, that uh, we would respond to you tonight. We ask for your Holy Spirit to be here to teach us, to anoint this time. I pray that we would respond accordingly to what you're saying, what you're challenging us with, God, new things maybe that you'll speak into our hearts, into our lives. I just ask you that we'd be open for that, open to hear, and open to respond. God, thanks uh, for being here. Uh, we've gathered in the name of Jesus. We ask that you be glorified. For asking in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. If you have your Bibles, let's open up to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. If you need a Bible, just grab one off the table. Uh, we have Bibles available for you tonight, and you can feel free to, to grab one and use that. Just as a quick reminder, we do have an interactive feature for Bible study. It's through a website at www.speakpipe.com, S-P-E-A-K-P-I-P-E.com slash and it's all one word monday night bible study and uh, you'll find a button to toggle there and you can leave us what would appear to be a voicemail and we will endeavor to play that at our next meeting but we'd love to hear from you if you have a question comment anything that's happening uh, just say hi would be fine uh, tim is here he left a message recently was it easy to leave oh so easy so easy yeah <laughs> yes thank you Oh, so you can edit. All right, so if you're not happy with your message, before you send it, you could even redo it. Yeah. So you got literally nothing to lose. Just give it a shot. And we'd love to hear from you. So, again, www.speakpipe.com slash Monday Night Bible Study. Send us a message. Okay, Exodus chapter 3, looking at verse 9. I'd like to read that, Exodus 3, 9. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. All right, thanks. Uh, this is a passage that, uh, just to give a little context to it, uh, that Moses, uh, was, he was walking by and he saw a burning bush, uh, what would be commonly known as a burning bush, uh, there was a flame of fire that was coming out of the midst of a thorn bush. And God was in the flame of fire, and he spoke to Moses through that, and the bush was not being consumed. That was the miracle that was happening. So you had a, it's, it's kind of a misnomer to say the burning bush. There was a flame of fire in the midst of a small thorn bush, but it wasn't being consumed by the fire. So God was speaking through that. And he spoke through the flame to Moses, and this is something that, part of what he had to say to Moses. And so what I really want to look at is just what he was saying here and something that he's revealing about himself through that. There are a few things that he revealed about himself just in the way that he appeared in the bush, in the little thorn bush. 
and uh, a few things that he revealed about himself and what he had to say also. So I want to look at both those things. He uh, starts off, and now. The verse starts off, and now, and that indicates a, a certain time. Uh, what time? I have no idea. And, and that, that really was, is part of what we're talking about uh, with this passage is that a lot of time had passed since uh, the people of Israel had showed up in Egypt. They had been oppressed for a while, and they'd been slaves for a while. It was 430 years after they had come to Egypt. So you think about 430 years. I mean, the United States, I, I use this illustration all the time because I think we think of, in terms of time, and kind of weirdly, but you think about the United States, we're, we're less than 300 years old. You know, we're less than 250 years old as a nation. And you think about what did things look like when our nation was started 250 years ago. You know, I mean, guys wore powdered wigs. They had wooden teeth. Uh, they were horse-drawn, riding horses, carriages, uh, no electricity. All right, that was just being thought of or figured out. And uh, just you think about that the infrastructure that didn't exist, the, the conveniences that we have that just weren't there. Uh, they, they still wrote with a feather, a quill, as a pen, they'd dip it into ink and write, and everything was longhand. So you think about, okay, that was less than 250 years ago. Well, they were in Egypt. They were slaves for much of this time of 430 years. So as this starts off, and you read this, it starts off, and it says, and now. Well, right then, after 430 years, it was time. It was time for... God to do something. It was time for something else to happen. It was time for something to take place that had been waiting a really long time. At least the people had been waiting a really long time. And so I want you to put that in context to your life. Put that in context. I mean, we live however many years we're going to live. You know, average age right now is somewhere in the 70s for men and women. Women live have a little higher Longer life expectancy, men are a little bit lower. But in the United States, where we are, our life expectancy is 70-something, just on the average. And so I'm not saying you're only going to live to 70-something. You may live to 80, 90, or 100, or 120. I don't know. All I'm trying to say is that average. And so you put that in the context of your life, you know, and, and maybe we're in a situation we don't like, and so we're going to cry out to God, which is what these people did. Well, how many years, how many generations passed until it was now? That these people lived and died in oppression. These people lived and died under the hand of Pharaoh. These people lived and died as slaves in Egypt, building pyramids, building temples, building whatever they were building over there. And at a certain point, it was time. And so I want you to think about that in terms of whatever your situation is. And I've been in some situations where I cried out, and I was crying out to God. There's certain things that I continue to cry out to God about. I have a couple of people that every week they ask me, do you have any prayer requests? And so I send the prayer requests, and a lot of them are exactly the same week to week because they haven't been answered, and I'm still crying out. And so... 
if you're, if you're nice enough to ask me for a prayer request, I'm going to give you my prayer request. And you can cry out with me if you want, which that's what happens. And so I'm going to continue to cry out, and I'm going to continue to cry out for whatever it is that I need or whatever it is that's going on, or whatever change needs to take place or whatever that needs to happen in my life. I'm going to continue to cry out. And that's okay. Because at a certain point, maybe, there's a certain point that it's now. And, and it's, it's about to change. And so I want to speak that over us that there's always that moment. There's that now. And I don't know when that happens. I don't know how it happens. I'm not exactly sure how God decides that this is now. But at a certain point, and that's what happens here and now. And, and so here we have God responding. What's he responding to? He's responding to the cry of Israel. That they had been crying out. Was it in prayer? Who knows? Was it just that they were being forced and they're crying out because they were oppressed? Maybe. I don't have any idea how they were crying out. But there was something that happened in them and they were crying out. There was something emotional that was taking place that God responded to in them. After how many generations? I can't tell you. When they start crying out. I don't know. It wasn't just that moment, though, and it wasn't just that, that second, but they had been crying out, and at a certain time and at a certain moment, God said, all right, now it's time. And so the same happens in our life, that there's a crying out that takes place. You think about Jesus teaching on prayer, and, and there are certain things we ask God for that instantaneously they're done, but there's other things that aren't. And so instead of getting all upset or judging God or, or becoming so frustrated, we just get angry at God or whatever it is that happens in our, our brains. Instead of doing that, we need to take into account that this is just how God operates sometimes. And Jesus taught us that. He said, all right, well, if, if you have visitors come in the middle of the night, you don't have food, you go to your neighbor's house, and you're like, all right, well, I need some stuff for, I got visitors that came into town. Hey, leave me alone. I'm in bed with my family. I don't want to get up and deal with you. But you keep knocking and you keep asking. You keep knocking and you keep asking. You keep knocking and you keep asking. And so eventually the guy gets up and he gives you what you're looking for. And so that was the illustration we had in that particular sense. It's like that's Jesus teaching us to pray. Just keep going. Keep asking. Keep knocking. Or there's the, the illustration he gave of the persistent widow with the unjust judge. And how she just kept going and kept going and kept going. And so finally he found in her favor. That there's a crying out that takes place and that there's an expectation and it's not a surprise. And this is what I want to say. It's not a surprise that sometimes we're crying out and something doesn't happen instantaneously. You know, we may live in an instantaneous culture, but that's not the way God operates. And we can't think of him that way. We can't think of, okay, well, just because this happens to be a value that our culture has, or this happens to be a value that I have, or this happens to be a value that I think God should have, doesn't mean he has it. And it's okay that he doesn't have it, because he's the one that sets the norm. And so the norm that he set is that he moves when he moves, he does what he does, and he does it when he wants to do it. And so our job isn't to judge him for not moving fast enough. Our job is to continue to persist, continue to cry out. Just keep going. So he looks for a certain faithfulness from us. He looks for a certain loyalty from us, a certain 
uh, fidelity from us that whether or not we see what we want to see or whether or not we hear what we want to hear or whether or not he's doing what we want him to do in that moment that we just keep going. We just keep going. So Israel cries and there's something that comes from the heart or there's something that comes from the gut and there it is. And so God, he responds through this, this uh, little thorn bush. And there's something to be learned from the thorn bush, that whole concept, that the, the miraculous thing, and we always major on this, is that there's a bush, and there's a flame in the bush, and it's not being consumed. Well, that is the miraculous thing. But I want you to think about that God is using this thing as a representative of his presence. That there's a little thorn bush. As opposed to what? Like, what, what else could he have used in the tree family? You, know, you understand what I'm saying? He could have used a giant tree, a lofty tree, to appear in the midst of. I mean, he's big, right? He's huge. And so, if you're going to use something, like something in the tree or shrub family, you might want to use something really big. All right, if you're going to represent who you are to Moses. And so appearing, you know, you think, oh, this great and lofty tree, and, and there's a huge bonfire in the midst of it, and there's God in the midst of it. It's like, yes, this is worthy. Yeah, well, it was a, you know what? Instead of that, it was a small thorn bush. What good is a small thorn bush? I mean, think about it. Well, yeah. And I remember when I moved into my house, uh, the house I'm living now in Liverpool, there was this thorn bush. It was a little thorn bush when I moved in. And it was over on the side, so it was out of the way. I didn't really have to deal with it very often, except for when I was mowing. And so sometimes when I would mow, it would catch me. And it would make it irritate me, but I'd have to finish mowing the lawn, and by the time I was done, I'd forget and so, and so I was a little irritated, but whatever, it didn't last, and I was done, and that was all. So a couple of years passed, but this little thorn bush, this little shrub of a bush began to grow more and more, and it turned into this big bush, all right? And so I took that bush one day. I just got, I, I just, I'd had enough, all right? And I went in there, and I chopped that thing down, and I dug it up, all right? And then I poured gas into the hole, and I lit it on fire. All right? And there's no bush there now, because it made me that angry. We're going to eliminate the bush. And so when I think of small thorn bushes, I think of that little bush. And there it was. But God chose... And I want you to think about this for a second. God chose a little thorn bush to put a flame in, and that was representative of his presence. To the point that as Moses was walking up to check it out, he's checking out the little thorn bush with the flame in it, and it wasn't burning. It was just a flame in the midst of the little thorn bush. God spoke to him out of that and told him to take his shoes off. And that was common in that part of the world. The only reason you wore shoes was to keep the dirt off. And so when you enter a place, 
that's holy, you take your shoes off. Or you enter a place that, that you know, that is, uh, you respect, you take your shoes off. That was what happened. You know, and you see Jesus entering people's houses in, in his ministry. And oftentimes people would provide water and they'd provide a way for you to wash your feet. Or if they had servants, the servants would come and they would wash your feet for you. And so then your feet would be clean and you'd walk around the house and you would be respectful of the person's house. So, so what God was saying to Moses, take your shoes off. You need to be respectful. This, here I am. Now, I think if he would have been a huge tree with a bonfire in the midst of it, he might have figured that out on his own. But I want you to think about it. It wasn't that. It was a little thorn bush with a flame in it. And it was more of a curiosity than something that completely overwhelmed him. And, and I want you to consider what you think God is saying through that. Because deliberately he chose that. I mean, God chooses how he represents himself. God chooses the symbols that he uses when, when he shows himself to people. And this is one of those moments. I mean, this is a key moment. This is a key moment in, in history. That God is showing himself to Moses in the wilderness. And think about why would you think he would, he would choose a small thorn bush? Why? Why a small thorn bush? Why, uh, you know, appearing in the flame, whatever size it was in the midst of that small thorn bush? I mean, think about it. Because isn't this the same God that appeared as the stone that the builders rejected? Do you understand what I'm saying? Isn't this the same God that as he became a, a man, that he had nothing that would draw anyone to him? Isn't he the same one, the same Jesus that appeared that could hide in a crowd of people because no one would recognize him? Isn't this the same Jesus that there was nothing beautiful about him? Nothing that would draw anyone to him? And so I want you to consider that, that we serve a God that this is his style. This is what he does. And, and whether our style is that or not matters not. All right, that's his style. And if you don't have that style, that's okay for you. But that's his style, and, and you need to understand his style. Because it's important to how he reveals himself. Because if you're always looking for God to reveal himself in some flashy way, you're going to be sorely disappointed because that's just not how he does it most of the time. It's just not how he does it. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus would not have been revered or recognized by most of us today, if he appeared today, if he appeared like he did 2,000 years ago. We just wouldn't. What would he look like? Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. And, and which is what they thought 2,000 years ago. And, and the fact of the matter was there wasn't anything about him, really, not his looks anyway, that people would be drawn to him. So, you know, we looked for the charismatic, we look for big and flashy. I mean, even right down to our definition of success, I mean, what is successful? It's a big, fancy church. What's successful? It's a big, fancy whatever. What's successful? And you think about what people define as success, both inside and outside the church. There's not that much difference. There's not that much difference in how people define success. 
inside, outside, doesn't matter. Human beings define success by certain things that is not in congruence, it is not in agreement with the way God defines success. And so we need to allow God to begin to work on us to begin to shift our focus and begin to shift our definition a little bit about what success looks like. I'm going to give you a little shift here. And whether you understand this or not, I don't even know if I understand this. But I'm going to share it. Because I really believe it was something that God spoke. God speaks out of the fire. And that's in this little thorn bush. This little shrub. And the fire doesn't consume the bush. Now, God has revealed himself as light throughout the scriptures. All right? Let's look up a few verses about that. We'll look at the New Testament. 1 John 1.5. 1 John 1.5. And 1 Timothy 6.16. That's two good ones. 1 John 1.5. Anybody have that? This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Okay, thank you. 1 Timothy 6.16. Who alone is immortal, who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and light forever. Amen. All right. Now, light, if you look at the creation account, light existed before the sun. And the reason I say that is because if you look at the order of creation, uh, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And then at a certain point after that, he set the sun and the moon in the sky. So before there was a sun and a moon, there was light. And so as an order of creation, and in order of understanding the way that God has created things, light, light, the light that we see, the light that we understand, the light that's around us as a work of creation existed before the sun, before the moon, and before any fire was ever created. And so what would be proposed in that is this, that if you look at the order of creation, God is light. If you look at the order of creation, he lives in light. If you look at the order of creation, all life then springs forth from that light. And so in the order of creation, the idea of fire would spring forth from light instead of light springing forth from fire. Now, I know that sounds weird, but I want you to understand this not necessarily as a physics lesson, not as a chemistry lesson, but to understand this as a God lesson. That as God has spoken, as God has revealed, as God has shown himself, the fire that you see in the midst of that thorn bush, the fire that you see in the midst of that shrub that's not consuming it, God as light is bringing forth and producing forth 
that fire from the light. You see uh, the idea of fire later on in the book of Revelation where it describes Jesus. And it says that it, of Jesus in his eyes it was a flaming fire. Uh, Revelation 19, 11, and 12 is what I'm referring to. And so the idea of fire, and, and you, you can do a study of this. I'm not going to take the time tonight to do this. But the idea of fire is something different than the idea of light. The idea of fire is a different idea than the idea of revelation. The idea of fire is a different idea than the idea of God's presence. And so when we look at the bush that has the flame in it, the idea of his presence and the idea of him being in the midst of that has to do with his light and the fire being a product of his presence and that light that's there. So the fire has a different representation. Right. Right. Because, I mean, what does the sun provide? We think of it as providing light, but it does provide warmth. It provides a lot of different things for us. All right. It does many different things. But light is something that, as God is, God dwells in, and as God has created, is something from Him. And so he speaks to Moses. He speaks to Moses in this manifestation. And the manifestation is the flame, the bush, all of it together. And so I want you to see the flame and the bush as representing God saying something about himself to us. What did we say the bush was? Well, it's a style. That's a style. That's the way that he has revealed himself to us. It's the way he continues to reveal himself to us. But then you think about how God answers. Uh, how did God answer Elijah when he cried out on Mount Carmel? You know, at the showdown with the prophets of Baal? Yeah, he, he answered with by fire. That's what the Bible said. And so he did, does answer by fire. But when does he answer by fire? How don't you think about it? I mean, what was he showing that day? What was he bringing forth that day? There was power. But what was, it, what was, what was the big question that day? What's the, what was the question of the day on Mount Carmel? Who is the real God? That was the question of the day. And so he was answering the question of the day. And in answering the question of the day, he answered it by fire. And so the sacrifice that was there that was laid out was consumed. The water that was even poured over and around the sacrifice was consumed. And when that happened, the people cried out, what? The Lord, he is God. Right? And they bowed down and they worshipped him. That day. And so this day, when Moses was approaching this bush and God was speaking to him out of the shrub... There was this fire, whatever it was, it was in the midst of it, not consuming it, but in the midst of it. And what was God calling Moses to recognize right then? What's he calling him to? Huh? Right, he said, take your shoes off. Why? Yes, in a holy ground. Why? Who's talking to him? 
I am that I am. And what he wanted Moses to understand was the Lord, he is God. That's what he needed to know. Because what was he about to do? He's calling him and sending him to Pharaoh. And he would be expected to perform signs, wonders, miracles. He was expected to pronounce judgment. And he was expected to lead this group of people across the wilderness with signs and wonders and miracles. He was expected to stand over the Red Sea. The sea was going to part. They were going to cross over in dry ground. And then the sea was going to collapse on Pharaoh's army. All these things were going to take place. And he would lead those people through the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years. And this is the beginning of that. There's one thing he needed to know. The Lord, he's God. He's God. He can do it. And that's what he needed to know. And you see him, he argues with him a little bit. And, oh, I'm not a good speaker. And, oh, you know, how will they know? And, and all the rest of that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, all right. Well, it got answered. It was all taken care of. And he went and he did it. And you can read the history of that, and we're going to be going through some of that in Bible study. But I want you to understand that, that God, he needed to know that. He needed to know that personally. And, and really, there was no crowd. There was no, there was no big uh, to-do about this. It, people weren't gathering around to watch it or anything else. It was just between God and Moses. But God had a message from Moses that he is God. Well, who am I going to tell him sent, sent you, sent me? I am. Yeah. So, so the people have been crying out for help. Well, what, they were facing oppression. They were enduring oppression. That's what they were doing. That, that was, that's where they're coming from. And they were looking for some deliverance. And the idea of freedom needs to be central to us. That, that, that concept and that idea of freedom needs to be near and dear to our hearts because we serve a God of liberty and we serve a God of freedom. And these people were crying out for that. That, that it, it should not sit well with us to be living in oppression. You, that should not sit well with you. It should not sit well with you to live in bondage to anything. It should not. You should not make your peace with bondage. You should not make your peace with oppression. You should not make your peace that, oh, it's okay, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll put up with it. No. No. The cry of their hearts wasn't, God, help us to put up with this. The cry of their heart was, we want to be free. The cry of their heart says, I want to get set free. I want to be delivered. <clears throat> I want out of here. And that was their cry for help. For freedom, that we need to desire, that we need to want it, we need to seek it, we need to cry out for it. And if you're not that kind of person, God's, God wants to help you be that kind of person. He does. You know, and if you've never been around the people who don't live freely, man, you may not appreciate it as much as you could. The freedom that we have here in this place that other people don't enjoy. Because when you see people living under oppression and you see people living under bondage and you, you experience that, you really experience that, you begin to appreciate the freedom and the liberty that we have 
and, and to allow God to just set that into your heart. Set it into your heart. The, the times that I've been overseas, uh, the first times I went to a developing country, and, and seeing you know kids sleeping in the street, just dirty, covered in dirt, uh, animals, I mean, mangy, flea-ridden, just, just, you know, tick-infested, whatever, animals, mangy animals laying with them in the street. And you think to yourself, that's a child. That's a child. That's not another animal. That's not a, another, you know, what, wild dog or, or whatever, their feral cat. That's a child. And, and scene after scene of that kind of poverty and scene after scene of that kind of discounting uh, of human life. Our first trip into the Sahara Desert and, and witnessing people being bought and sold in the 1990s. That that level of slavery, open slavery, still existing in the 1990s. I mean, I, I, I was at a, we were at an oasis. I was offered certain goods for a member of our team to be bought and sold, like cattle. People living in oppression. And it was really eye-opening for some of the, the people that were parts of those teams to see that. Really eye-opening to experience what, what it looks like and how some of the rest of the world lives. And, and without exaggeration, you know, uh, I remember coming back from that trip, a member of our team got down on his hands and knees and kissed the ground when we got back to the airport. No exaggeration. Because he was so happy to be here. So I, I want to encourage you that there's a freedom that God created in us and he wants us to live in. Really, a liberty that God has for us and not to accept anything else. Personally, corporately, however you want to see it, but not to accept that. It's not okay. It's not okay to live in bondage. It's not okay to live in oppression in your life and you should not accept that. And if there is that oppression, there is that bondage in your life, cry out. Cry out. Ask for help. And keep crying out. Keep crying out. Until such a time as it, it happens, such a time as now. Whenever that is that God sets you free, whatever it is that God speaks to you, whatever it is that God brings liberty and brings freedom into your life, such a time as now. Keep crying out. Because your cries reach God. And you never have to worry about that. And, and that was, I've been waiting to say this since the beginning. It's like, because I said, well, when's now? I don't know. When's he going to move? I can't tell you that. When, when's that moment going to be? It's up to him. But one thing I can guarantee you, that if you're crying out to him, he hears you now. One thing I guarantee you that if you're crying out to him and you're, sh and, and, and you're sharing whatever it is, your sorrows, is, is whatever it is that, that's taking place, whether it's something that people know or something that people don't know, whether it's your secret issue or it's some open issue, whatever it is you're crying out about, God hears you. 
And you can be sure of that. And he cares. And it moves him. Moves him to what? I don't know. When? I'm not sure. And if I could tell you that, that would be awesome. I'll pray with you that it happens now. But I don't know that it's going to happen now. Most of the time. Every now and then I'll just know God's going to move in a moment. But I can't say he's going to do it all the time because I don't know that. And sitting here right now speaking in generalities, I can't tell you that. If it's a word, if it's a prophetic word, if it's something that God speaks in a moment, it's a word of knowledge, it's something that God is speaking, and this is the time, and this is the place, and this is the moment, amen, then good. Good, and those moments happen. You know, I've seen people healed of, of diseases they've carried for years. They've been crying out for years for healing. God heals them in a moment. Why was it that moment? I don't know. It was his moment. It was that time. People have been crying out for, for deliverance from, from oppression or deliverance from demonic issues in their life. And they've been crying out, crying out, crying out, but in a moment, when is that moment? I don't know. But in that moment, I've seen that moment where they've been delivered and completely set free right then. Depression over their life, delivered and set free right then. Whatever it is. And when is that moment? We want to force that on God and say, well, it's going to be right now. I don't know if it's going to be right now. If I, if I believe it's right now, I'll let you know. All right? I will let you know in that moment. Say, right now. Get it. And, and I want you to understand that about me, that if I'm telling you right now, I mean right now. All right? Because I, I will sit and watch, and I'll wait. And, and moments pass and times pass and, and there's, there's uh, opportunities and response times and people praying and people up front and special speakers that come in and spiritual life conferences and there's all these things that happen, all these opportunities and there's Friday night prayer or whatever and they may pass by but there might be one time I'll walk over and I'll say, okay, we're going to pray for this now and let's receive now. Because okay, it's just, I, I believe it's that moment. So Jesus, when you think about his earthly ministry, how many times he's going through, I mean, some of these people that he healed had chronic diseases, right? Yeah. I mean, you had people that were paralyzed. You had people that they were all bent up and messed up. There were people that had spinal problems. There were people that, 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 that couldn't walk. There were people that couldn't hear. There were people that couldn't see. People that couldn't talk. These are chronic issues that it, it didn't just happen that day. But as they were crying out and they were asking God, there came a moment where Jesus crossed their path or where Jesus came along or he came to their town that day. And there it was. But maybe it wasn't the first time he came to town. Maybe it was the second time he came to town. Maybe it was the third time he came to town and they were healed. I don't know. I can't answer that question, but the moment came, and we see time after time after time in the New Testament, in the Gospels, how people are healed and delivered and set free. Big believer. I believe that. I believe that. God could have sent Jesus 100 years before, right? Sure. He could have been sent, what, 50 years before? He could have been sent two years before. And that guy that was blind from birth, maybe he'd have seen two years ahead of time. You want to think that way? Go ahead. Go ahead. You can drive yourself crazy thinking like that. It's a pointless way to think. It is pointless. 
Because God shows up when he, you know, he does what he's going to do when he does it. That's it. And so this was the time. This was the place. And, and God takes great notice of, of our cries for help. He does. And he has taken notice of your cries. He has. And, and you can be sure of that. You can know he's taking great notice. And, and, and so in this case, in this passage we're looking at, he moves in, in an awesome way to speak to Moses. Because he hears it, he takes great notice of it, and then he moves. And there he is, miraculously. God can see. God can see. Don't ever doubt that. Oh, what are you going through? Oh, yeah, well, God sees that. Well, people just don't know. Maybe they don't, but God does. You're crying out. No one cares. He does. The implied in him seeing is that he is a part. He is with you. He is feeling what you feel. He's understanding what you're going through because that's what he chooses to do. He takes great notice of you. He takes great notice of your situation. He takes great notice of, of what's happening in your life. He does. And it moves him as we cry out into the miraculous. And that's what you see. And the miraculous doesn't have to be huge and flashy. The miraculous just needs to be miraculous. It doesn't need to meet a certain criteria. In other words, it doesn't have to have the same pattern every single time. Not everyone is Smith Wigglesworth. Not everyone has giftings like Benny Hinn or somebody, okay? <laughs> However weird that is, or, or whatever. Not everybody has that. Or, or Catherine Kuhlman or, or any of these people. And even more, you know, even more modern examples of that. Not everybody has the same giftings. Not everybody does things the same way. The miraculous just is miraculous. And the little shrub, that's miraculous. The thorn bush is miraculous. Things that happen in our lives, sometimes we need to have an open eye and an open ear and an open heart to see it for what it really is. Because if you're always looking for the big flashy thing, you're going to miss the thorn bush. You might. And that's just as miraculous. That's just as much a response to your cry as some big flashy thing is. And that flame that appears and that voice that comes and the presence of God in the midst of whatever it is you're facing is a miraculous manifestation of the holiness of God in and through your life. Find it. Cherish it. Cherish it. So one of the things I've noticed as I will notice more of God in my life, as I will cherish the times with God when he's speaking to me, when I'm talking to him, as I, as I take hold of those times, I see more. As I will recognize the miraculous in my life for what it really is. Even if it's a thorn bush with a flame in it. Or if it's this big fancy thing, that flashy thing that, that it's in front of me all the time. It, if, if I cherish whatever it is God is doing, I'm going to see more. I want to see more. I want to see more of the miraculous. I want to see more of what God is doing. 
don't know if you remember Ferris Bueller's Day Off. You know, they go out and they have the day, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. All right, so they go to a Cubs game, right? They go to the museum. They eat in a fancy French restaurant. They're in a parade. Ferris sings in the parade. All right, you remember this? All these things happen. Yeah, all that stuff happens. But at the end of the day, you got Cameron, right? And what did he say at the end of the day? I didn't see anything good today. Didn't see anything good, right? Or whatever he says. But that's the idea behind it. And then, and then Ferris is like, what? You saw this and this, and you did this, and you did all these things, all right? But he just he couldn't see it. And in some ways, the presence of God is like that. If we practice the presence of God and we're recognizing it small to big, if we're recognizing it little to magnificent, you're going to see more. And you're going to retain more and you're going to hold on to more. And you're going to recognize more when it happens. And there's something real about that and there's something powerful about that in our lives. As we want to see more, and as we're, we're careful to recognize those moments and careful to recognize those times when God shows up and when God does something, we're going to see more of that. Is it, is it actually happening more? I don't know, but I'm seeing it more. Is it more miraculous than it was before? I don't know, but man, it sure seems like it because I'm recognizing it for what it is. Instead of ignoring it. And instead of attributing it to something else, instead of, of I'm not even bothering to take note of it, I'm actually seeing it for what it is, recognizing it, and then I'm going to see more in the days ahead. And that's a principle for us. So what God is saying to us is that, and he says this to Moses, I see the oppression. In other words, I see the lack of freedom for my people. Well, God created you to be free. God created you to be free. Don't settle for anything else. And if you're not free, cry out. All right, so that, that's number one. Number two, he, he comes down and deliver them. There's the miraculous. That's where the miraculous takes place. It's a response to a lack of freedom. Right? The miraculous, we're taught in this passage, is a response to a lack of freedom. How are we going to define that? Freedom in your mind, a freedom in your heart, a freedom in your spirit, a freedom in your physical body. The miraculous is a response to that. God shows up as we cry out. And then he says something to Moses after that. He's like, so I heard the cry. It's that lack of freedom. I'm responding in the miraculous. And then he says something to Moses. He says, uh, come, I'll send you. That was how I responded. So there's Moses, shoes off, at the, at the shrub bush with the flame of fire in it that God's speaking out of, the bush isn't being consumed. There he is in the midst of all that. And he said, I'm going to send you. See, that's our part. That's our participation in it. And he calls us to participation in this. And that's really what I've been talking to you about, is your part, your participation in the miraculous, your part, your participation in the deliverance, your part in participation in the crying out, your part in participation with what God is doing in the day that you are living in right now. It's your part. And, and I'm encouraging you, and I hopefully am encouraging you enough 
to open your eyes, to open your heart, and to open your spirit to what God is doing. This is the world we live in. And God is in the middle of what we're doing. You don't want to see it? Then you, you live with your eyes closed. But I want to encourage you, open your eyes. Open your ears. And open your heart. Now there's things I say almost every week. And, and it's, it's for some people, it gives them a headache. I say the same things over and over again. I understand that. I get it. But I can't tell you how many times, and, and this is not a bust on anybody, this is just the way it is. How many times somebody will come up to me after a Bible study and they'll say, wow, really, you just said blah, blah, blah. That really hit me. That's awesome. I really need to pray into that. I'm like, yes, same thing I've been saying for the last three years. Why was it that night? What happened? It was now, right. There it was, boom. For those of you that are hearing the same things over and over again, sorry. I try to throw in enough stuff that's different to make it interesting. But there's certain main and plain things that we're going to say over and over again. There's certain main and plain things that are going to come up time and time again. Because there's certain main and plain things in the scripture that come up over and over again. They're said over and over again. Certain things that Jesus said over and over again. Certain things that Paul wrote in his letters over and over again. Certain things that Peter wrote in his letters that, that echoed Paul, that echoes Jesus that were said over and over again. Certain things that we see from the New Testament back to the Old Testament, the prophets were saying over and over again. Why? Because of the truth. They're the truth. And, and as many times as we hear it, and as many times it's revealed, as many times as God says that truth over and over and over again, there'll come a day, there'll come a now, there'll come a moment where we hear it. And there it is. And then every time we read the Bible after that, we keep seeing it over and over and over and over again. Time and time again. And so our part in the miraculous is to participate in it. We need to see it. We need to hear it. We need to recognize it for what it is. And we need to get to it. Moses, he had every reason in his mind, can't do it. God met every reason. He answered every question. And the fact of the matter was, Moses needed to get to it. And he did. And he did. And so we're called into this. We're called into this. There's a light that's shining tonight. And it's a light that brings truth. It's a light that comes from God that, that brings his understanding to us. And he wants us to, to just rest in that light. Let him fill you with understanding tonight. Let him fill you with truth. Let him fill you with revelation tonight. Let him challenge something, some status quo thing in your life that is so boring you can't even stand it. Let him challenge it. Let him challenge you to something more in your life than, than just whatever it is you were doing before. Because we serve a God who's God of the universe. We serve a God. He is 
Lord. The Lord, he is God. That's who we serve. And the fire appears to remind us of that. That fire appears out of the light to remind us he is God and he can do anything. He is God and he hears your cry. He is God and he is responding to that cry. Let it happen. Let it happen. Let it happen in you. Let it happen through you. Cry out tonight. Be completely unsatisfied with bondage in your life. Be completely unsatisfied with a lack of freedom in your life. With oppression in your life. Be completely dissatisfied with the devil bringing oppression over you. And cry out. If I can shake that loose, then I did something. If I can shake you enough where you're just dissatisfied, you're totally unsatisfied with your lack of freedom tonight. That, that's, that's worth every minute. Cry out. We're going to take a few moments, and I want to encourage you toward that. I want to encourage you toward crying out tonight. I want you to think about your life where you're at. I want you to think about, like, yeah, you know, I'm allowing this, this oppression or I'm allowing this bondage or I, I've come to accept these things in my life and to just say no to that. Don't accept it. You were created for that. God did not make you to live in bondage. God did not make you to live under oppression. He did not make you to live in slavery. He did not. We serve a God of freedom. We serve a God of liberty. And if you find yourself that, yeah, I'm in oppression, I'm, in, I'm under some oppression right now, or I'm in slavery of this, or I'm in bondage to that, cry out tonight. Is God going to answer? I don't know. He hears you. I can tell you that. And he's moved by that. I can tell you that. But don't accept it. And keep crying out until, until it's now. That's all I can tell you. Keep knocking. Keep nagging, keep begging it up, keep crying out until it's now. So, Father, thanks uh, for loving us, and thanks for freedom. You created us a certain way. You put it on our hearts. You, you, you put it into us. You created it into us that we're to be free. You created it into us that... We're to live free of oppression. We're to live free of bondage. We're to live free of slavery. However, what a form that takes in our life, body, soul, or spirit, that we're to live free. And so, God, I, I pray that there would be a real dissatisfaction in us for anything other than that liberty and that freedom. And so, God, I pray in this room that as people recognize places of oppression and they recognize places of, of bondage in their lives, that they would cry out tonight. Because, God, I thank you you hear our cry. I thank you that you're moved by our cry. I thank you that, that there is a, 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 a moving of your heart by the moving of our heart, by our spirit, by that which comes from our innermost being.
that it is moving toward and with you. So tonight, I, I just pray that we'll cry out to you for that freedom and cry out for that liberty and cry out for that deliverance and cry out for all that you offer us. I thank you that you notice. You know our sorrows, you know our secret sorrows, you know everything that's going on in our life. You take great notice of that. And so as we cry out tonight, I just want to say thanks that you're taking great notice and we're opening the opportunity for you to appear in the miraculous. Eyes wide open. Thank you, Jesus. Eyes wide open, ears wide open for the miraculous. That we're opening that door. We're opening the opportunity. As we cry out, we're opening that moment, that opportunity for the miraculous. Whenever you're going to bring it, God. So we just say thanks. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you see oppression thank you that you come down to deliver thank you that you call us to participate in that miraculous I pray for more I pray for more I pray we would see more we would hear more we would recognize more in our own lives and I pray father for more in the name of Jesus we cry out for more <clears throat> We cry out for more. We cry out for more. Thank you, God. We cry out for more. We cry out for more. We cry out for more. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Bring your healing, God. Bring your healing, God. And I want to move the bondage to destructive thinking. Yeah, deliver, God. We cry out, Lord. We cry out, God. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. We cry out. We cry out. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we cry out, God. Mm. Thank you, Lord. I said a thought as we were crying out. How hard is it to cry out in an open-ended way? What do you think about that? We're just crying out. 
You know, we're just crying out. And you know what it comes down to? We're going to trust him. We're going to trust him. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Cry out, Lord. Yeah. We cry out. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, God. Bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Thanks, Lord. So, God, tonight, I just want to say thanks that you care. Thanks that you hear. Thanks that you love. Thanks, God, that you're all-powerful. Thanks to the Lord. He is God. Uh, we thank you, God, tonight that you love your people. You love us. You love me. You love each of us. And that you're moved on by our cries. So we thank you for that. We thank you that you show up in the miraculous. Thank you for that. Also, thank you for the fruit of the Spirit. I thank you for patience. I thank you for long-suffering. And I thank you, God, for the work of the Spirit that you do in each one of us. So, God, tonight, we look for the miraculous. We listen for the miraculous. We wait. We, we put ourselves in a position to recognize and to take note of the miraculous when you appear and when you do what you do. Give you thanks tonight. Thank you for your love, God. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Let's agree by saying amen. 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 Thanks for coming, everybody. Good to see you. And we'll see you again soon.